Welcome to Zichud Avsi Mani Mem Rabbi Avram Goldhai, and today we're Zechus Yuma Dabt Hezvav. The first parak, Shiva's Yami. So the three topics we're going to focus on. Number one, a Mishnah and Tamid states that the Kohen selected to do Zerika Saddam of the Tamid throws the blood on the northeast corner and then circles the Mizbech and throws the blood on the southwest corner. Now, Bryce was brought concerning this mission that Rabbi Shimon Ishal Mitzvah changes the procedure and says that when the cone comes to the southwest corner, he places the blood on the western wall of the Mizbech, and then, after rounding the corner, he places the blood on the southern wall. So the Gemara asks why Rabbi Shimon Ishal Mitzvah requires two distinct applications of the blood, unlike any other Ola. And Rabbi Yochanan answers, in the name of one of the members of Rabbi Yana's Yeshiva, that it says in the Pasuk, in connection with the additional Kabbanah's Bran Mosh Chodesh, Usir Izim Hashem, and one he goat for Achatus to Hashem, in addition to the Ola's Tamid, shall be made, and it's wine libation. Now the Tamid is an Ola, yet in this Pasuk, the Torah states that the Kohen shall perform the procedure of Achatus in connection with it. So how is this done? He performs one application that's tantamount to two by dashing the blood on the northeast corner, like an Ola, and then does separate applications on the southwest corner, like a chatas. Point number two, the more questions Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah's interpretation of the Zerika Zadam procedure for the Tommy. Let the Kohen place the first blood application, which is Achas Shehishtaim, one that's tantamount to two, below, on the lower half of the Mizbech, Kamaisa Ola, in the manner prescribed for an Ola, and then place the next application, which is Shtaim Shen Shtaim, two that are in fact two, above, on the upper part of the Mizbech, Kamaisa Chatas, in the manner prescribed for a chatas. Why place the latter applications, which are supposed to resemble those of a chattas, on the lower half of the Mizbech, in a manner inconsistent with the procedure of a chattas? The Gemara answers, We don't find anywhere blood applications of which half are placed above and half are placed below. And point number three, the Gemara asks why the Kohen applied the blood to the northeastern corner of the Mizbech and then the southwest, instead of the reverse order, and answers that it said, All the turns that you make in the performing of the Avoda should only be to the right and to the east. And it so happens that the Kohen would encounter that corner, the northeast corner, first. So once again, the three points are number one. A Mishnah Tamid states, the Kohen selected to do Zerika Saddam of the Tamid, throws the blood on the northeast corner, and then circles the Mizbech and throws the blood on the southwest corner. Abraiso was brought concerning this mission that Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah changes the procedure and says that when the Kohen comes to the southwest corner, he places the blood on the western wall of the Mizbech, and then, after rounding the corner, he places the blood on the southern wall. So the Gemara asks, why Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah requires two distinct applications of the blood, unlike any other Ola? And Rabbi Yochanan answers in the name of one of the members of Rabbi Yana's Yeshiva that says in the Pasuk, in connection with the additional Karbanas Brano Rosh Chodesh, Usir Izim Echel Ochatos Hashem, Al-Ola one he goat for Achatus to Hashem, in addition to the Ola Satamid, shall be made, and it's wine libation. Now the Tamid is an Ola. Yet in this passage, the Torah states that the Kohen shall perform the procedure of Achatus in connection with it. So how is this done? He performs one application that's tantamount to two by dashing the blood on the northeast corner, like an Ola, and then does the separate applications on the southwest corner, like Achatus. Point number two, the more questions Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah's interpretation of the Zerika Zadam procedure for the Tamid. Let the Kohen place the first blood application which is Achashishtaim, one that's tantamount to two, below on the lower half of the Mizbech, Kamaisa Ola, in the manner prescribed for an Ola, and then place the next application, which is Shtaim Shen Shtaim, two that are in fact two, above on the upper part of the Mizbech, Kamaisa Chatas, in the manner prescribed for a Chatas. Why place the latter applications, which are supposed to resemble those of a Chatas, on the lower half of the Mizbech, in a manner inconsistent with the procedure of a Chatas? The Gemara answers, We do not find anywhere 
Blood applications of which half are placed above and half are placed below. And point number three, the Gemara asks why the Kohen applied the blood to the northeastern corner of the Mizbech and then the southwest instead of the reverse order. And answer is that it said, All the turns that you make in the performing of the Avodah should only be to the right and to the east. And it so happens that the Kohen would encounter that corner, the northeast corner, first. All right, so now we go to our Simmer Dov Tezvav, and our standard Simmer is a fruit bowl. And we get to that because two is two Bishvat. We think of fruit, and we use a fruit bowl to make it a little bit easier to work with as a simon. So fruit bowl is a simon. So here goes. The Kohen who used a fruit bowl to administer Dhamma, the Tamid on the Mizbeach, threw the blood in the northeast corner, and then placed blood on the western wall, and then the southern wall, like Achatis, making sure to do them both on the lower half, and always turn to the right. Once again, it's a motion. The Kohen who used a fruit bowl, fruit bowl, that must be more duff, Tezvav. The Kohen who used a fruit bowl to administer Dhamma of the Tamid on the Mizbeach, and threw the blood in the northeast corner, and then placed blood on the western wall, and then the southern wall, like a chattis, which reminds Rabbi Shimon Ishamitz, but changes the procedure of the Tamidins, and says that after the Kohen throws the blood on the northeast corner, instead of then throwing it on the southwest corner, he comes to the southwest corner, he places the blood on the western wall of the Mizbech, and then, after running the corner, he places the blood on the southern wall. The Gemara asks why Rabbi Shimon Ishamitz, but requires two distinct applications of the blood, unlike any other Ola. And Rabbi Yochanan answers in the name of one of the members of Rabbi Yana's yeshiva that says in the Pasuk, in connection with the additional Kabbanas Bradnosh Chodesh, Usir izim echad ochatiz l'ashem And one he go for ochatiz to Hashem, in addition to the Ola shall be made, and it's wine libation. Now the Tamid is an Ola, yet in this Pasuk, the Torah states that the Kohen shall perform the procedure of ochatiz in connection with it. So how is this done? He performs one application, that's tantamount to two by dashing the blood on the northeast corner, like an Ola, and then does separate applications on the southwest corner, like a Chattas. So the Kohen used a fruit bowl to administer Dham of the Tamid on the Mizbech, threw the blood in the northeast corner, and then placed blood on the western wall, and then the southern wall, like a Chattas, making sure to do them both on the lower half, which reminds the more questions of Bishim Isha Mitzvah's interpretation of the Zrikas Adam procedure. For the Tamid, let the Kohen place the first blood application, which is Achashi one that is tantamount to two, below in the lower half of the Mizbech, Kamaisa Ola, in the manner prescribed for an Ola, and then place the next application, which is Shtaim Shen Shtaim, two that are in fact two, above on the upper part of the Mizbech, Kamaisa Chattas, in the manner prescribed for a Chattas. Why place the latter applications, which are supposed to resemble those of a Chattas, on the lower half of the Mizbech, in a manner inconsistent with the procedure of a Chattas? The Gemara answer is, We don't find anywhere blood applications of which half are placed above and half are placed below. So the Kohen used a fruit bowl to administer dumb of the Tamid on the Mizbeach, threw the blood on the northeast corner, and then placed blood on the western wall, and then the southern wall, like Hachatas, making sure to do them both on the lower half, and always turn to the right. Which reminds us, they were asked why the Kohen applied the blood to the northeastern corner of the Mizbeach, and then the southwest, instead of the reverse order. And answers that it is said, All the turns that you make in the performing of the Avodah should only be to the right and to the east. And so it happens that the Kohen would encounter that corner, the northeast corner, first. So once again, the Kohen who used a fruit bowl to administer Dhamma the Tamid on the Mizbech threw the blood on the northeast corner and then placed blood on the western wall and then the southern wall like a Chattis, making sure to do them both on the lower half and always turn to the right. All right, now it's time for our four blah back Chazara. Daf Yudolf, so the Simmer Daf Yudolf is stars. So here goes. In their attempt to break the world record for the largest number of mezuzahs in a single province, the inhabitants stuck gold stars. Gold stars, that must be Ron Duff Yudolf. 
In their attempt to break the world record for the largest number of mezuzahs in a single province, the inhabitants stuck gold stars on every gate, which reminds the Rabban taught in a brace, the Pasuk says, Ubisharecho, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, plural. This teaches that whether they are gates of houses, gates of courtyards, gates of provinces, or gates of cities, they have the Chovas Mitzvah of mezuzah. Rush explains that that Shari Medino's gates of provinces require mezuzahs in a case where the province is surrounded by mountains and forests for many miles and people can only enter through gates. So in their attempt to break the world record for the largest number of mezuzahs in a single province, the inhabitants stuck gold stars on every gate and made sure to include curved archways, which reminds us it was taught in the in a case of a kippah, a curved archway, Rabbi Meir requires a mezuzah, and the chamim exempted from a mezuzah. Abai clarifies that Rabbi Meir and the chamim disagree in a case when the archway is ten tefachim high, and the archway's legs have a height of three tefachim, before the opening between them narrows to less than that of four tefachim. But the archway is not four tefachim wide, along the entire minimum height of ten tefachim. However, the wall surrounding the archway is large enough to allow one to carve into it to complete the entranceway to the full Fort Fachim along the height of the Ten Fachim. Rabbi Meir holds Chokikim Hashlim. We view the entrance as if it's enlarged since it has the potential to do so, but the Rabbanon hold Ein Chokikim Hashlim. We do not take the potential into account, but consider the archway as it presently stands. So in their attempt to break the world record for the largest number of mezuzahs in a single province, the inhabitants stuck gold stars over every gate and made sure to include curved archways, shuls, and women's houses on the right side as people enter. Which reminds us, it was taught in a brace of basic nesses, basic isha, basic shutfin, chayevitz, mezuzah. A shul, a house of women, and a house owned by partners require a mezuzah. One might have thought, beisecha, your house implies, and not her house, and not their houses, referring to a shul and house owned by partners. That's why we don't actually drive these conclusions to answer, because the next Pesach states, in order to increase your days and the days of your sons. Do these people who own houses independently have a need for a long life, but not women and partners? Of course not. The Gemara then asks, then what's the need of the Pesach stating Beisecha? And brings Rav, who answers, the word your house may be read your entry, indicating that the mezuzah should be affixed the way you enter. And when a person lifts his feet to enter a house, he lifts his right foot first. The Torah therefore teaches that the mezuzah should be affixed on the right side as a person enters. Daf Yud Beis, so the standard symbol Yud Beis is 12 brothers. So here goes. The 12 brothers, 12 brothers, that must be more on Daf Yud Beis. The twelve brothers who are fighting over who gets to put the model on the Mizbeach in their room, which reminds the more brings about Chokos and I'm whether houses in Yushalayim can become Tame from Tumatsaras based on the condition that Tumatsaras occurs by Erzachuzas Chem, the land of your inheritance. The Tanakama rules that they cannot because he holds Yushalayim when Nishalka Shvatim Yushalayim was not apportioned among the Shvatim and is therefore not considered an inheritance. Rabbi Yudah rules that houses in Yushalayim can become Tame as he holds that Yushalayim was apportioned to the Shvatim. A price is brought to support Rabbi Yudah that states, Maya Bechelko Yudah, which parts of the base of English were in the portion of Sheba Yehuda, are Bayez Loshakos Azaros, and which parts were in the portion of Binyamin, the Ulam, the Heichol, and the base Kodesh Kadashim, and a strip of land which projected from the portion of Yehuda and entered in the portion of Binyamin, Uvahya Mizbech Banue, and on it the Mizbech was built, and Binyamin itself was pained by it each day because of his longing to absorb it into his territory. We see from here, though, that Yishalim was a portion to the Shvatim. The Gemara then brings a price that supports the Tanakama. So the twelve brothers who are fighting over who gets to put the model of the Mizbech in their room 
were finally convinced by the oldest brother, who pretended to be a newly invested Kohen Gadol Yom Kippur with his linen belt, that it belonged to him, which reminds us the Gemara that while it's obvious that if a Kohen Gadol becomes disqualified the morning of Yom Kippur, before the Tamil Shal Shachar, the new Kohen Gadol is invested into his new position by bringing the Tamil Shal Shachar. But what is he invested into office with if the Kohen Gadol becomes Tamil after the Tamil Shal Shachar? So Ravada Bar Abba said Ba'avne with his pure linen belt, which was different than the Kohen Hedyot's belt, which was made of shotness. Abai said, before proceeding to the Yom Kippur service, he dons the eight begotten the Kohen Gadol and turns part of the Tamid offering over on the fire of the Mizbech with a fork to hasten its burning, and this act is considered an avoda. And Rapapa said his performance of the Yom Kippur service, even without any other act, invests him with his office, since only a Kohen Gadol can do the avoda on Yom Kippur. So the twelve brothers who were fighting over who gets to put the model of the Mizbech in their room, were finally convinced by the oldest brother, who pretended to be a newly invested Kohen Gadol in Yom Kippur, with his linen belt that had belonged to him, that they didn't deserve it, because their belts were made of shotness. Which reminds us, when Ravin arrived from Eretz Israel, he said that everybody agrees that the Avnet of the Kohen Gadol in Yom Kippur was made of pure linen, and the rest of the year his Avnet was made of Kalim. They disagree regarding the Avnet of a Kohen Hedyot, both on the other days of the year and on Yom Kippur. For Rebbe says it was made of Kalim, well, Rebbe Elizabeth Rebbe Shimon says it was made of pure linen. Therefore, according to Rebbe, the four begotten that the Kohen Hedyot wore were essentially the same as those worn by the Kohen Gadol throughout the year, besides his four additional begotten. Daf Yud Gimel, so the standard symbol for Yud Gimel is a Bar Mitzvah boy. So here goes. When the Bar Mitzvah boy, Bar Mitzvah boy, that must be more on Daf Yud Gimel. When the Bar Mitzvah boy saw his rival waiting to give his pshetel on the wings, which reminds us that when reviewed a state in the opening mission, the basin should prepare a second wife for the Kohen Gadol, an event that the first one dies, the Chami responded, Im ken, so. If so, there's no end to the matter, meaning that if we must be concerned of the first wife's sudden death, then we would have to prepare for the possibility that the second wife might suddenly die as well. So the more questions why the Chami don't apply this objection to their own position that we need to prepare a second Kohen Gadol in the event that the first Kohen Gadol might become Tameh. They should need to prepare a substitute for a substitute, for it's likely that he might become Tameh too. The Gemara answers Kohen Gadol Zarisu, a Kohen Gadol is conscientious to remain tower, and therefore it's unlikely that a second Kohen Gadol will be needed. When the Gemara questions why then a substitute is required at all, if the Kohen is a Zaris, it answers, Kevin de Avdin and Sara, Since we prepare a rival for him, we will certainly be even more conscientious about not becoming Tameh and seeing his rival take over. So when the Bar Mitzvah boy saw his rival waiting to give his pshat on the wings, he decided to really impress the crowd with his pilpul on what a Kohen Gadol says to two wives prior to Yom Kippur, which reminds us. The Gemara questions Rebbe Huda's position that a second wife needs to be prepared for the Kohen Gadol in the event that the first one dies. Beso Amr Beso, the Torah said, and he shall atone for himself and for his household, referring to his wife, whereas this woman, who is not yet married to him, is not considered his household. The Gemara continues that if, in fact, he married her before Yom Kippur, there'd be another problem, that the word Beso implies that he has another wife and not two. So after rejecting numerous solutions, the Gemara finally arrives at an effective solution. He says to wife number two, this is your get on condition that wife number one does not die. He says, wife number one, this is your get on condition that I enter a base on Yom Kippur. If neither wife dies, wife number two was divorced all along since wife number one did not die. And he remains married to wife number one since her get was canceled because he didn't walk into a shul. If wife number two dies, she was divorced all along since the condition of her get that wife number one did not die was fulfilled. And he remains married to wife number one since her get was canceled as he did not walk into a shul. If wife number one dies, then wife number two's get is canceled since the condition was not fulfilled. If wife number one dies in Yom Kippur, then the Kohen Gadol, seeing that she's about to die, steps into a shul and validates her get 
so that she was divorced all along, and he was only married to wife number two. So when the bar mitzvah boy saw his rival waiting to give his pshetel on the wings, he decided to really impress the crowd with his pilpa on what a kongadol says to two wives prior to Yom Kippur, and why he continues to serve and won't come to eat if one of them dies. Which reminds us, it was taught in a brace, a kongadol makriv onen ve'ena ocha, a kongadol brings karbanas while he's an onen, but he does not eat them. Rabbi Yudah says, kohayom, the entire day. After Rabbi's first interpretation of Rabbi Huda is rejected, he provides a second explanation. Rabbi Yudah meant to say that the Kongado may not serve the entire day of his Aninas because of a Gezerah unless he comes to eat of Kadshim, which is forbidden. And Rabbi clarifies that on Yom Kippur, Rabbi Yudah would permit the Kongado to serve in the event that his wife dies as he will not come to eat when no one else is eating. So the similar Daf Yudalit is Yud, hand. So here goes. The Cohen, who took great pride in his skillful hands, hands, that must be run off, Yudalit. The Cohen, who took great pride in his skillful hands when it came to aiming and doing huzzah, was so embarrassed when he accidentally sprinkled a tower person making him tame. Which reminds the next mission taught that all seven days of the Cohen God was sequestered, he does the avoda in order to make him proficient in the various aspects of the avoda which were typically not assigned to him. Rav Chisa says Rav Kiva cannot be the ton of the Mishnah, since he said, Tar timatu, a tower person upon whom fell a sprinkling of water containing the power of Duma ashes, thereby becomes tamek. Since we know that Hazar is done in the Kongad all seven days, how would he be able to perform the Avodah during this time? The Gemara explains where Rekiva's reasoning. The Pasuk could have stated, The Tower person shall sprinkle the purification waters upon him, and it would be obvious that the person is Tameh. Why did the Pasuk add the words Al-Hatameh upon the Tameh? We can infer from here, Al-Hatameh Tower, Al-Hatameh Tameh. The Tower person becomes Tower, and the Tower person becomes Tameh. The Rabban say it's a Kavachomer. If the Tameh person becomes Tower, doesn't it fall the tower person should remain tahor? So the Kona took great pride in his skillful hands when it came to aiming and doing hazal was so embarrassed when he accidentally sprinkled that tower person, making him tame, that he carried the mechatas away for no reason, making himself tame. Which reminds the more questions how Rabbi Kiva would respond to the Rabban's Kavachomer and answers that he'd respond that with respect to the Kavachomer that Shlomo Melk stated, Amarti echama vihi I said I'd become wise, but alas, it's still beyond me. We see that even though the Kavachomer dictates that the tower person should remain tower, Shlomo Melk himself acknowledged the phenomena that he, in fact, becomes Tameh. According to the Rabban, what Shlomo Melk found beyond comprehension was the fact that the one who sprinkles the waters and the one upon whom the waters are sprinkled are both Tahor, whereas the one who touches the waters for purposes other than sprinkling becomes Tameh. When the Rabban challenged the fact that the Pusik states that the Mazah, the one who sprinkles Shalmers' garments, Clearly indicating that he is Tame, they answered that the word Mazah is referring to the one who carries the water for reasons other than sprinkling. The reason that he's referred to as the Mazah is to teach that he only becomes Tame if he's carrying the minimum shear or Hazah. So the Kona took great pride in his skillful hands when it came to aiming and doing Hazah, was so embarrassed when he accidentally sprinkled that tower person, making him Tame, that he carried the Mechatas away for no reason, making himself Tame thereby losing his opportunity to burn the Ketoris and prepare the menorah. Which reminds the Mishnah here that states that the Kohen Gala burned the Ketoris and lit the lamps during his seven days of being sequestered, which implies that the Ketoris was burned first, goes according to Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah, whereas the Mishnah Tamid, the teach that the Ketoris is burned after the preparation of the lamps, reflects the opposing view of the Chachami. All right, now it's time to conclude the pop quiz of 10 questions plus three bonus questions from previous Mesechitas. Number one. Which of the one that we never find blood applications where half the blood is placed above on the Mizbech and half below? That's on Dav. Tezvav. Good. Number two. Which of the one that Rebuto holds that a Kohen God of Onim does not do the Avodah the entire day lest he come to eat except on Yom Kippur where there's no concern of that? That's on Dav. Yud Gimel. Good. Number three. 
Which whether Yushalayim was apportioned to the Shvatim, which would dictate if houses in Yushalayim can become Tameh from Tumat Saras, that's on Daf. Yud Good number four. Which something that having a second Kong Gadol on the wings will make the Kong Gadol even more of a Zari, that's on Daf. Yud Gimel. Good number five. Which something that the Chabim Hod the Shlomelech was perplexed as to why one who touches the Mechatas for no reason becomes Tameh. That's on Daf. Yudalad. Good number six. Which something that Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah holds that regarding the Tamid one placed the dumb on the western wall and then on the southern wall like a Chatas. That's on Daf. Tezvav. Good number seven. Which something that the Rekiva holds that Hazah on a Tahor person makes him Tameh. That's on Daf. Yedad. Good number eight. Which up to learn Kopino Shatapona, Lord Yehu El Derech Yamin or Mizrach? That's on Daf. Tezbav. Good number nine. Which up to learn how a second wife is prepared for the Kongado? According to Rabbi Yehuda, that's on Daf. Yud Gimel. Good number ten. Which up to we have a three women focus regarding how the substitute Kongado is invested into office if the Kongado becomes Tami after bringing the Tamil Shachar? That's on Daf. Your base, good. And now the three bonus questions. Number one, which something on how Hillel dealt with Gerim with converts? That's on Duff. Laman Alf and Shabbos, good. Number two, which something on why the Torah wrote the prohibitions for participating in the Pesach for both the Aral and the Ben Nechar? That's on Duff. Tzadivav and Pesachim, good. And number three, which something on that one of the activities on the 15th of Adar was marking the graves? That's on Duff. Gimel and Shkalim, excellent. All right, that concludes the pop quiz. This is Rabbi Ram Golden Zichu wishing you a great day and great learning.